Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that empowers people who are navigating sexually transmitted infection stigma with the tools, resources, communication resources that they need in order to navigate the stigma. Uh, I'm here right now with Tori. Tori uses she, her pronouns. And how old are you? I'm 29. 29. Ooh, you got any big plans for your 30th? Feeling fine. <laughs> any plans for your 30th? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, I just turned 29, so... Oh, you got a ways to go. Got Enjoy. Got some time. Enjoy your 20s. <laughs> Live your 20s yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Once you cross that 30 threshold, that's when your knees start hurting. <laughs> no, my knees already hurt. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for coming here. I know that uh, we had this schedule before and we weren't able to record. So I want to thank you for taking care of yourself and doing what you needed to do. And it sounds like you're in a much better place for us to be able to do this interview. So I'm very thankful that you're here. Yeah, I'm really glad to be here and just really stoked to talk to you about the stuff. Yeah, yeah. get into it. So a uh, quick overview about what this stuff is. Um, Something Positive for Positive People received a grant from the Oregon Health Authority to run, I know, right? It's been such a long time coming, <laughs> um, to do 12 podcast episodes, particularly with people who are in Oregon uh, about their experiences with having tested positive for an STI. The goal is to examine what the commonalities of the stories are and then be able to present that in a way of offering some sort of a need for an intervention to take place in order to like propose like this evolved form of STD prevention that is not exclusively the six or seven things that the CDC says that we need to do, but to incorporate infections with this, to introduce the idea that you can have an SCI and not know it, and also offer like uh, a lot of the lessons that we've learned as people who have tested positive for an SCI that can be helped and supportive. It can be helpful and supportive to people who are sexually active in terms of learning how to communicate better. So, I mean, we see like wear a condom everywhere, but we know people aren't always wearing condoms and the people who are communicating through that are the ones who are less likely to get infections as well. So we're wanting to incorporate that messaging as well that we don't want to contribute to this uh, sex negative or sex avoidant society that would just say, oh, well, I have a condom or wear a condom but not be willing to talk about testing and uh, positive statuses and what to do in the event that um, someone gets an SCI or now with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, talking about what happens if someone ends up pregnant, you know? So these are all discussions that need to be had. And essentially like what's happening here is that uh, consistently we're seeing people are taking from their self-learned, self-taught, lessons throughout trying to find out more about their diagnosis and learning about sex and communicating about their diagnosis that there are things that they can use that they do use moving forward with partners so i just want to get that to people before they need it so that they have it and that's what this grant is about i love that that is that's what people need that's what I wish I had. Um, I, yeah, just hearing that makes me feel all warm inside and just like, 
really stoked for you, really happy for your organization. And yeah, I'm just really blessed to, to get to know you more and also to, yeah, I guess just like know that this is happening and, um, yeah, I'm just really happy. That's so awesome to hear. Thank I love you. that. Thank you. All right, so we can get started with, um, how about you just share with me, you know, what you were diagnosed with, and you could just go into the experience of um, when you first noticed to how your interactions went with getting your diagnosis. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so I was diagnosed with HSV-1, type 1, which is the oral uh, oral herpes. Um, yeah, I was diagnosed in 2020, the year of the pandemic. I found out, uh, I think it was April because that it was like around my birthday time. Um, and yeah, I, yeah, I, um, I realized I, I had it when it, it was showing up genitally. So it was like, there was, it was a stint of like six month time of like trying to nail it down basically. So I would go in and, um, you know, I would, I would tell them like, these are my symptoms, this is what's going on. And at the time I didn't have health insurance. I, um, so I would just go into Planned Parenthood and, uh, try to get them to help me. Uh, and I went in like about four different times trying to let them know, like, I have herpes, like this is for sure happening. Like, I just need you to tell me that this is happening. And, um, as you know, it's really hard to like nail it down with a culture and, um, especially, uh, yeah, I was having doctors like telling me, you don't have herpes, you have a yeast infection. Um, one doctor refused to test me and told me that I, uh, she like swabbed my inner thigh. Cause I was like, I'm not leaving here until you test me basically. <laughs> and she's like swabbed my inner thigh. And I was like, girl, I know when you're there or when you're not there. <laughs> I still have sensation in between my legs. Like, I know you didn't just swab me. And so, yeah, I left Planned Parenthood, which which sucks, right? Because, you know, as a woman, as someone that identifies as, as female, like, Planned Parenthood has been my saving grace, like, my whole growing up. And so to, like, almost have that not be a safe place for me anymore, that felt devastating. Um, and so... I went to an open clinic, uh, who, yeah, I met a couple of doctors who were just very sweet, very kind. Um, and they, they were able to get a culture for me and tell me that I have HSV1. Um, however, no matter how sweet and good they were, they did not have the tools to help someone with the next steps. Um, I asked a lot of different ways, like, okay, how, now that I know this, like, I'm a very, like, 
I don't know, I'm like very romantic and have all of these like fluffy sides to me, but like, especially when it comes to my health, I'm very analytical of just like, okay, what's the next step? What, you know, I'm very black and white. Like I need to know like how I move through these super like nuanced ways of living now. Like what, what is it that I need to do to keep myself and other people safe? Um, and how do I navigate dating in a pandemic when I'm single? And I have this new diagnosis. Um, and yeah, it, there wasn't very much given. It was really just like, wear a condom, um, let your partners know, obviously. Um, and that was honestly pretty much it. And also just like Google's your friend. Like that was, that was pretty much there their, their uh, advice uh, and so that's really what I did for the next like two months to understand like what it is to live with herpes it's just like I was scouring the internet at like 2 a.m 3 a.m just like it, it was really shame driven if I'm being totally honest it was like how to like really reading those terrible articles that are like will people still love me with herpes? <laughs> like, like those like shitty columns that you just read and you're like, okay, I've read all of this and now I fucking hate myself. Um, and yeah, walking away from that experience was never healing. It was never good information. It was always like, just, yeah, just kind of making you feel not good. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, in a nutshell, like how, how I received my diagnosis. Um, yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Did I answer all the yeah, questions? Yeah. I was just waiting <laughs> on you to wrap up however you were yeah, going totally. to, because yeah. my main question is why'd you have to go four different times? Like, were you just, they were dismissive to you and I'm wondering if they didn't want to test you, if they didn't want to tell you it was herpes, like, uh, it it's frustrating, but maybe there's a reason, and I'm trying to find what that reason could have possibly been. What do you think it was? Yeah, I don't I don't know what it was. I think partially it was dismissive behavior, um, and then I also like you know when you go in a number of times with something, they know who you are, right? Like they they know who you are. So I think. Part of that is, um, yeah, maybe them thinking that, like, I don't have herpes and I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm in there because this is what I do now. I come in here and I ask if I have herpes. I don't know. I don't know what they wanted from me. I don't, I can't give you the answer. I don't, I can't read their minds. But, um, yeah, I, I think it was mostly dismissive behavior and, and or, like, you know, I've been told like testing is expensive. And so it's like, is that something you want to do if I'm telling you that I don't think it's that? Um, and obviously as someone that didn't want herpes, I was like willing to be like, okay, like, cool. I don't have herpes. That's fine. Great. Uh, but then I would, you know, things would arise and come up and I'm like, no, this is, this is something. Yeah. Um, in that experience, you said that they told you Google's your best friend? 
Yeah. Google is your worst enemy. Why would they say Truly. that? That bothers me. Yeah, I don't know. And even that's dismissive, you know? It's like, oh, go and go find the information. Yeah, I'm your healthcare provider, but go look for healthcare information on the internet instead. What? Like, you didn't even get told what to Google? No. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, I have such a problem with that. And I get if your clinic is busy and you don't want to deal with a herpes diagnosis because they're so common and people, people freak out about it. So, it's almost like it's better to just lie and say it's not herpes and that we can't test for it than it is to be the person that gives the diagnosis. So, I... I guess I get it from that perspective, but man, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Your experience. It's okay. It's. I mean, it's not okay. I say it's okay. It's not okay. Um, I would hate for it to happen to other people. So, um, yeah, it took me a really long time to. Um, I don't know. Just like admit that I had herpes, and it. You know talking to my friends about it and like yeah I think I think with that with the diagnosis that I received and how long it took for me for me to get my diagnosis it made me like so resentful that I even tried because like ultimately I was just like I was put through the ringer to find out bad news <laughs> and I feel like with this shit, you know, when you find out stuff that's like, you know, can, can change some stuff in your life. Like you should be met with grace. You should be met with, with people that, that I give this all the time and also have some bedside manner and have some ability for compassion and, you know, love for God's sakes. Like, I don't know. I, I could never be in the medical field and I know that. And it's also like, like respect so much respect for them. Cause they do some crazy shit, but also I'm just like, yeah, it's really hard to be on the receiving end of the news sometimes. Mm -hmm. And when you, um, when you, I don't want to say this, you did your own research, I guess that's the only way to put it. Uh, when you did your own research, did you find anything useful to you over that two-month period? Yeah, I did. Uh, well, I mean, okay, so I didn't date for a while after I found out that I had herpes. Mm -hmm. um, and it was mainly because I wasn't receiving any good information online. Um, but I, I don't know if it was like right after, I don't I remember exactly when it was, but I got turned on to the account, um, my boyfriend has herpes, and it's the, like, um, there's just, like, a bunch of slides, like, animated slides of, or drawn-out slides of um, her and her boyfriend uh, kind of just, like, talking about their dating experience, and um, it was super helpful just because it was, like, light and airy and something I was like desperately needing, which was just like care along with information. Um, yeah. And then weirdly enough, 
I got like, I like checked in with them was like, Hey, I'm looking for more resources. And they sent me your account. And I, that's how I started following you, um, was from them. So yeah, your account was very helpful and podcast has been very helpful. What was it about that account, my page, and then the, um, uh, what was the other one? Yeah, that account and then my page that made it so helpful. Yeah. I think it was it was just informative and um, it it normalized the experience of herpes and yeah, I had yet to see normalcy in research and information online other than statistics, which just generally math does not make me feel happy. Um, so I think to like see it and be able to like put a face to a name and understand like, um, yeah, a lot of people experience this and a lot of people navigating this and here we are talking about it and like, yeah, it's the release of stigma, it's the release of shame, and um, it's that, like, you can see that there's love within themselves, so they're, and they're giving it to other people, and that, yeah, not excluding your work, like, I think when I was able to see you, like, reach out and um, make a name for yourself around herpes, like, I think that that's the coolest shit ever. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I really want to honor that. Like that. It's really fucking cool. Thank you. Can uh, I cuss on the podcast? I'm sorry. Yeah, you good. Okay, cool. Oh, <laughs> uh, I want to know, like in your words, how could what you've gotten from those resources be incorporated before you needed them? So I'm guessing that, what my question really is challenging us to figure out is if you were equipped with information that you found helpful now, but if you would have gotten that sooner, then what would be, I guess, what do you think would be different? Um, let's see. I think just like generally how to talk about it. Um, I mean, they tell you, it's like, you take this pill once a day, like, if you get a flare up, like, you know, make sure two to three times a day, like, whatever. Um, but I, I found myself in conversation with the doctors being like, okay, but how do I talk about, like, how do I talk about it with people? Like, how do we get through this? And they don't know because they don't want to talk about it, you know? And so... I, I really think it is just communication and as lame and boring as that answer may sound, it's like communication. It's true. Like we do not talk enough. Like we don't talk about it. And, um, yeah, I think that's my answer. Okay. And, um, <laughs> are you involved with sex positivity at all? Would you consider yourself a sex positive person? For sure. For sure. I am. Yeah. I, um, yeah, so 
I'm just going to actually kind of go right into it a little bit. But during the pandemic, I, well, it's still happening, but at the beginning of the pandemic, I got my diagnosis and took a lot of time to myself. Uh, and then I realized I was lonely as hell and I was missing human connection and needing some, some sort of connection of some kind. So I started checking out some like, yeah, like kinky online dating websites. And yeah, I've always known that's been a part of me and have just been like afraid to open that door. And so that really led me to a whole new world. Uh, not to quote Aladdin. <laughs> uh, it really did lead me to a whole new world. And it it's opened so many doors for me. And I it feels reinvigorating to like own like yeah, take re ownership over my mind and my body and like my spirit in this world and like how I can like really I don't know attune it to what I want it to be. I don't know. Yeah. Um, what I'm learning about sex positivity, that it's more about pleasure positivity. Uh, mm -hmm. When we think sex, I think a lot of people jump to heterosexual intercourse, which is production of a baby, like at its peak lack of safety. And <laughs> if that makes sense. And so yeah. um, when I think about sex positivity from a lens of pleasure, what I hear is like, take care of you and your people um in addition to being accepting like be accepting of yourself and recognize that you are worthy of acceptance so um what i hear in you you know beginning to do your exploration and like you're finding out what's happening i don't know you're breaking up a little bit it sounded like somebody just rode a skateboard like right next to you <laughs> No, there was a car that just drove by. Maybe oh, that was it. Okay, all right. That's it. <clears throat> um, when we talk about sex positivity, pleasure positivity, and look at it from a, a, a self lens, like a lens of self, like how are you being sex positive? It's not about you being accepting of other. It's about you being accepting of you and being willing and capable of walking into spaces that are prioritized to those people who are going through their healing process, right? So being able to do so in a safe or as safe of an environment as one can be is in itself healing. And I'm thinking that uh, about the experiences that I and others have had with things like kink and BDSM is that it's a safe place to reclaim any stolen power from you, whether that be just getting comfortable with asking for what you want, being comfortable with saying no, starting to ask what you want, learn what you're asking for what you want. And um, yeah, all of these things like really make up a sex positive space and environment. Cause I mean, it's even like looking at um, how we interact with one another, like we inspire others. If we can go inside and, you know, ignite our own spark, then we can potentially encourage others to do that as well. So um, with the things about kink and sex positivity, like I, I mentioned these things in the podcast and a number of different previous episodes. So I don't want to like 
beat a dead horse here with it because I think that at this point everyone does in fact believe me but this is for their people who might not believe me for people who might you know um, be wanting to explore this for themselves or see what it is about and what it has to offer so thank you for sharing and I'm curious to know like are there specific changes that you've noticed about yourself, whether it be in how you communicate or whether it be how you uphold boundaries or what? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the most beautiful thing about kink and BDSM is the structure. Um, whereas like a lot of vanilla is what we say, like relationships don't have that built in ways of communication before sex. So for me, I think, you know, also being recently diagnosed with herpes, it's like that has allowed me to like put that in as part of the conversation um, before we do anything physical. And so, you know, with that, I think has given me a lot of um, freedom and kind of just like stepping away from the fear of it all of like are they gonna like me still after this like I don't give a shit anymore like I I'm able to like say like this is what I'm about this is what I'm into like this is how we're gonna do this um and for me like it's really also allowed me to explore the different roles that I've never been able to explore and or even have thought about exploring um, and so it's been really empowering in that way to just to know that like, yeah, I'm not just going to show up and do whatever you want me to do to you and for you. Like, this is about me too. Like, I don't know. I, yeah, there's just been a lot of healing and growth in, in this process um yeah yeah thank you for that detailed explanation um there are pieces of it that i want to touch on you saw i like bit my finger because i wanted to talk but i didn't want to interrupt you because in case you went there but yeah. speaking to you being able to show up and understand that this is for me too that speaks to the pleasure part and the people don't allow for us and i say people i mean like unfortunately the government uh, and society in general, given that we're in this sex avoidant, sex negative society that we live in, it's very hard for us to recognize this is what the experience is about for me. This is about me as well. It's not, oh, you're coming in to perform because this expectation has been set on us to, uh, let's say, heteronormative uh, monogamy culture saying that this is what a female is supposed to show up like in sex this is what a male is supposed to show up like in sex but if you don't like that you don't have to still show up just because you want to have sex right like it's not about um oh well if if i want to do this and i have to do it the way that they want me to do it so and then we don't even talk in a sex avoidant society about those things like we're not yes. told yes there we go okay and then even with sex sex isn't always intercourse Right. So what if you choose to have sex with someone like it's two vulva owners in the room and sex avoidance is 
Use a condom. This is a sex avoidance statement. Use a condom. <laughs> Wear a condom. What's that mean for two Volvo owners in the room? Right? Nothing. What does that mean for people who aren't having intercourse? What does that mean for oral sex? Right? There's not conversation and the normalization of even like barrier use, but more importantly, the communication, the communication that we had to learn after our diagnosis, like I'm, I'm angry. I'm angry at society for not giving us the tools that we needed in order to prioritize and make known what we need from a communications perspective. Like if I know how to talk, not just about sex, but about you know, what I need to experience pleasure in my body, like to give a no where something doesn't align with me. And then also, if I know that the other person can receive a no and that they're not going to, you know, assault me, you know, I'm not using my not using myself, you know, as the example here. But for anyone, you know, I should be able to say no without fear of harm from the person that I'm engaging with and even tools for navigating that. If we are to take what the BDSM and King community does well, which is negotiations, and apply that to youth, how soon would we have like a whole new generation of consent, abiding, boundary, honoring, no saying, needs expressing, healthy relationship management, non-abusive people who know how to, if something doesn't feel supportive for them, uh, seek out whatever it is that they need in order to find those things. If we are able to get to that place, which I feel like in this lifetime, what one thing that I can do is get people to talk to youth about sex without talking about sex through this what we're having right now, like this dialogue being part of this uh, funded opportunity. Like that's the consistent messaging that I'm getting. And adults view sex positivity as intercourse positivity. Like I'm encouraging kids to have sex. No, that's not what we're encouraging. We're encouraging kids. We're encouraging youth to become adults who understand what consent is, who understand that rejection is a part of life, who understand that you don't have to tolerate abusive behavior. Here's what healthy relationships look like. Here's what a boundary is. I didn't learn about what a boundary was. So I was 31, 32 years old. And that's bullshit. So, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> sorry, I, I get on my soapbox sometimes. But like I said, man, I'm just mad. I'm mad that we live in no. such a sex avoidant society. And I think a part of that is a lot, sorry, I'm also hot, I'm red hot with you, like, I think a part of that is a lot of people, whether diagnosed with herpes or not, don't ever learn, they don't ever learn how to communicate, they don't ever learn this, like, really important information, and they still, they're not excommunicated out of the group, they're still a part of the society like they're still having intercourse they're still you know fueled with shame blame and guilt like and they are navigating this world and they're assaulting humans not letting people know their diagnosis and that is also not a part of the conversation how where's the accountability with those humans that like they're actively placing putting harm on people and yet they're still a part of it and that's the problem with like I don't know, I guess, like, accountability and, like, I don't want to say cancel culture because that's a whole other thing as far as, like, being able to, like, bring people in in a way that is succinct to 
knowing that we are the same humans, we're just without less resources. You want to say something? Adding to what you're saying, people don't know how to healthily debate. So if we're having, because when we, when I look at what cancel culture is, it's you said a hateful thing. I don't care to understand why you said that hateful thing or interpret what it is that you met. I'm just done with you. And, you know, a lot of people will do that to celebrities and public figures, but won't do that to their family members or partners, you know, people that they have to see every day. And I think that the Internet has created such a cushion for people to be able to say whatever they want to say and not really have to deal with consequences and for people to project those consequences onto a perpetrator rather than. You know, you see this gap that I'm holding up, like what I did was bring one hand from one perspective inward and another hand uh, closing that gap a little bit, which creates a little bit of a gap. And what needs to be able to happen is genuine exchange between two or more parties about a disagreement. Because, it, And I think that the Internet, social media has made it to where that gap is so much easier to just exist. It's easy to have that gap exist. More so than it is to uh, bridge that gap or remove the need for it by coming together and having an uncomfortable conversation about different views. And with so much accessible information online, people are able to latch on to a belief, an idea or something like that, and then just like run with it without having any proof. The only proof that you have is social proof of people backing you up. And so when I apply that to our sex avoidance society, everybody can get on board with, I don't want an SCI, except me because I have an SCI. And if everyone around me doesn't want an SCI, then that says that I'm othered from that community. However, because of the lack of understanding that SCIs are possible. People can have them and not pass them on. And I've started saying this to people lately. They're like, but I can still pass it on, right? And I'm like, you can still not pass it on. Why don't you focus on that not and start doing the things necessary that are hard, such as taking care of your health, right? And people think that means go to the gym and and, and look good. That's not what that means. It means if you know damn well you shouldn't be eating dairy because it messes your stomach up, you have to say no to cheese and dairy. If you know that yeah. drinking causes inflammation and all these problems with your body, you probably should drink moderately or stop doing that. And people don't want to do those hard things. They don't want to remain consistent with the routine and have discipline and be held accountable. And because of that, it's so much easier to just, you know, metaphorically cancel uh people with SCIs out of their range of perspective because what we've learned is that we've challenged ourselves and oftentimes like our beliefs about sex and what it really is and it it becomes so much more expansive and we self-educate beyond what the masses have been taught about sex. I know. I'm so sorry. I want to close this out and then you got it. I see you you, you doing the, oh, preach. Like, I know you want to jump in and say something. But yeah, bridging that gap, it looks like being able to like bring our stories and experiences to the people who otherwise wouldn't have access to it. And that's how you talked about cancel culture and I went on that whole tangent just for me to say that what it's about is just a disconnect of, of safety. Like you can hide behind this safety wall of 
sex avoidance because sex avoidance is STD avoidance, whereas sex positivity is more so advocating for an understanding of the realm of sex as well as how you are uh, receiving yourself in your sexuality. So we got to bridge that gap of communication. Um, I got excited. Absolutely. No, no, no. That's great. That you, you said way more than I could have said about that. And but you, you sparked that. You sparked that yeah. with your words and your experience. So sure. yeah. thank you. I, I do want to say just like a last little bit on that is something. And this kind of goes back to a question, like what I wish could change. And this is more like societally. This is more like person to person, less like systematically. I would just, I would love to see humans that don't experience any diagnoses of, of any STIs um, start the conversation. Be the person to say, hey, just so you know, I got tested. Um, you know, we're on a date, right? Let's set the scene. We're on a date. It's at the end of the date. We're about to... And uh, he goes, or she goes, hey, just so you know, I've been tested. I don't have anything right now, but I just wanted to let you know that, like, we can be tested together afterwards. Da, da, da. Um, what's your experience? How is that for you? And then that gives me the opportunity to go, oh, this is a great conversation. I'm so glad you did this because now I get to say, this is my opportunity to not make it awkward and to just say, hey, you know what? I do have herpes. And that's something we can just communicate about. We can go from there. Instead of, like, placing all the expect. And this is me with my socialization. But <clears throat> I always start the conversation. And this was before I was diagnosed with herpes. I've always started the conversation of STIs and STDs. And that really does have to change because... That lived experience is exhausting and completely unfair, and we need to do better. That's that's what I feel in my deepest, darkest heart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wrapping that thought up, um, we're unable to get to that point because where people go for their sex education and where people receive their sex education is again from a sex avoidant place because your doctors didn't even want to tell you you had herpes. Like I'm just going to run with that because what I heard is that no one wanted to uh, perform the test. No one wanted to tell you this is herpes because no one wanted to deal with whatever discomfort comes up after that none of them wanted to deal with their own internalized stigma and shame no one wanted to deal with however you would have reacted and you know they might you know let's say for the sake of this argument all right maybe they were annoyed that you came in so much well why isn't this person being taken serious they're obviously coming in for a reason i don't think you were just wanting to hang out at planned parenthood because you like the people so much right and this whole aspect of sex avoidance as a society is trickling down even into our dating lives because people who don't have a reason to talk about STIs won't talk about them. It'll kill the mood. And even that, like, people need to talk about and understand that there's no killing of the mood when prioritizing your sexual health. No. And in fact, that's a sexy conversation because then you get into, uh, like Dr. Eveline Dacker says with her stars talk, uh, 
you get into dialogue around, well, what are your turn-ons? What are your avoids? What's your relationship intention? You want this to be a one-time thing? Do you want to build and create a relationship? And then, like, what do you need to feel safe in this relationship? In addition to talking about STI screening and, um, and, and risks. So there's so much underneath the umbrella of this sex avoidant society that I believe that that's when things change when more people who don't have SCIs are initiating the conversations they're also making it safe for us to open up because it's like oh this person's willing to have this chat and that's like a real smooth metric for whether or not somebody is sex positive or pleasure positive were you going to say something I don't even know I will say that (laughs) there's two things that's that is coming to my head. When you said prioritize, um, uh, sex, I don't know exactly how you said it, but just the word prioritize needs to be underlined like 45 times because we do, we do need to prioritize our sexual health. And, um, also, and I know this word gets thrown around so much for a lot of good reasons and you know, whatever, but all of this is just consent. That's all this is. This is just like saying, hey, I'm consenting to A, B, and C, and I'm good with that, and let's keep it moving. It's the negotiation, bringing it back to kink. It's like, this is how we keep this ball rolling. This is how we, like, this is how we keep each other safe. This is how we show I love you, like, not in, like, a I'm in love with you way, but, like, I love you. Like, I care for you. It's an unconditional love, yeah. Yes, and it's like, if you can't hit that bare minimum more and more recently, I've just, I am not down to waste time with people. So I'm sorry, folks, people that are listening, like if you're not doing these things, like that's not, you're not going to get these cookies, you know, I'm sorry. You're not going to get these cookies. Yeah. And that's, that's how we have to keep moving. We have to like, Sorry, I just clapped when you said not to clap. <gasps> you actually did it a few times, but it wasn't like a big clap. <laughs> okay, cool. It's anyway, right. yeah, good. that's We're pretty good. much it. I'm just like... The passion's really... leaking. The passion's yeah. leaking into that. The southern part of me is coming out, and I have to tie my hands on my back. <laughs> we didn't even get to the kink part, but since you brought it up, you know, yeah. has your relationship to kink and BDSM impacted how you move forward since your diagnosis like how has that changed your relationship with sex oh god i i think it has um it's given me a lot of power i have the majority of my sex life it's always been you know i'm i'm from alabama so it's like it was built into me to be of servitude to the man that I was with. Um, it was very heteronormative. It was very vanilla. It was very, you know, put in a box and that is where you stay. Uh, and since opening up to kink, it has allowed me to first off, understand that I'm queer as fuck and that like I desire so much more than just a tiny little box yeah <laughs> uh 
and that has been just world expansive. Um, it also has allowed me to actually see what it is that I desire. I think I've been with so many men that I remember like the scariest question would be, so what do you like? And like, cause it's like, I never knew, like I was just taught to like, what do you like? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, what do you like? What do you like? I don't know. I don't know. You what know? do you want to like, eat? <laughs> and it's truly that. And like, yeah, it's been, I'm 29 years old. And when I sit with that information, that's sad as fuck. Like, that's sad to like sit back and be like, I'm like these past three years, I'm just, I'm just finding out what that is for me. Um, which there's a lot to grieve there, but there's also a lot to like be so celebratory about, which is like, I'm figuring that out. And like, I have a good understanding of what it is that I like now. And, um, yeah, I, I get to make those decisions and we get to make them together. Yeah. We are grieving our sex avoidant selves. That's what we're doing. We're letting it go and in the process, having a great time and learning to be able to lean into our pleasure, positive sex, positive selves and be, become liberated. Like you talked about how, like you're getting power from your kink and uh, your kink relationships and that power should have been given to you. You should have been aware of your power a long time ago. And that's where I'm thinking like these negotiation skills that come from kink and BDSM really need to be in the hands of educators who teach youth so that they know all those things that allow for us to have empowering, healthy relationship dynamics. And then, you know, it's not talking to them about sex, but when they choose to go off and have their sexual explorations, they're going to be equipped with the tools that they need in order to navigate it uh, appropriately. And that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, if I would have been given half the tools that we're ta- we've talked about in the past whatever time we've been talking, I, I just, I, I don't know who I could be today. You know, like, literally my mom, when she told me, like, what sex was, it was that two people were dancing in bed together. Like without the clothes on. Well, now we can, can, yeah, we know that that's like, we can dance in groups of five and more. We can do three way dances. We can do it naked. Dance all night. Dance all night. Dance all night. Music. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I'm just like, I I say that because I just, yeah, I hope this reaches people that are younger and that, like, even if they do get those, like, ridiculous answers, they're able to. To, like, go out and be like, okay, well, that's not enough information. Like, I need more information than that. And, like, that's available because, yeah, I just, yeah. I I wish so much for, for, for humans to evolve past um, what we are given, which is so little. Um, and, yeah, I just want us all to expand. And the only way to do that is to allow for grievance of our sex-negative, sex-avoidant selves. Yeah. Okay. Is there uh, anything else you want to leave us with before I let you go, Tori? Oh, God. 
proud of you. I'm so proud of you. And like, truly, you really shaped a big part of my experience. And um, we, when I think you first moved to Portland, we met and um, I remember like saying to you out loud, like it was hard for me to say the word herpes. And I remember you noting that. And since that, conversation I have like just become so much more confident in my ability to have more conversations around herpes with humans that I'm dating or not dating and yeah I just want to say thank you for this time and thank you for everything you do I really appreciate you thank you thank you that means a lot and um I know that this is going to help somebody um, if it, if it doesn't help anybody else, it'll help me. Cause what you just said is what I'm trying to get to these people who giving out money to understand like, Hey, you know, this, this stuff works. Like I, I kind of know what I'm talking about. Like let's work together so that we can get this information and this messaging in front of people before they need it, before they even know they need it. So that unconsciously when they do need it, it's there. I want it yeah. to be there. All right. Yeah. That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to, share this podcast. And if you work for an organization that offers funding, please understand that one of the things that we're doing is paying for people to get therapy if they're struggling with STI stigma. Um, We are also uh, launching, uh, if it hasn't launched already by the time this episode releases, a simulated patient program for healthcare providers to practice performing a sexual history on a sex educator. So that they're able to, uh, in high, or after the um, exam or the history is taken, be able to get feedback in real time from the sex educator about language use and how they made them feel as a patient. Because believe it or not, a lot of healthcare facilities are losing patients because of just stigmatizing their patients or traumatizing their patients as well. So what we advocate for is something positive for positive people is identity affirming, sex positive, anti-stigmatizing healthcare. And with our interactions, training, uh, we'll be able to get you and your people there. And if you want to interview me, if you want to be on the podcast, if you want to um, work with me, you can just reach out www.spfpp.org. Or you can just email me, Courtney, at spfpp.org. Venmo Cash App is Courtney Brame, all one word. And then Patreon and PayPal are slash SPFPP. Till next time, stay pleasure positive.